1: Let's go to one of our favorite topics. Your your range is without compare, from space policy to, you know, my wife's book on cast iron girders and their use in the New York skyscrapers, but I want to focus on one thing. The president gave a speech, I think it was in Wilkes-Barre, PA, where he first used this phrase of the super elite. He said, the so-called elite have failed us, the the talking heads, the think tanks, the, the wonks of this city. They've just come up with the wrong answers for 30 years. You are the new super elite. And I took that as meaning the reinjection of American common sense. How significant is this challenge of a non-policy, non-politician being the commander-in-chief? And it, will it only be for eight years or will his effect be a lasting one? You talk to everybody. What's your prognosis?
0: My prognosis is uh, the opposition, the resistance. Once a return to the status quo and the New York Times, and the Washington Post and CBS News and Politico and CNN were the masters of the United States and told us what was virtuous and why we were wrong. That status quo, they believe, will come back when they defeat Donald Trump in 2020. That status quo is never coming back. <laughs> never. Why? Not, not in 2020, not in 2024. Why won't it come back? Because we're into a world where there are many more possibilities than they understood, than they ever dreamed of. Many more possibilities. Their presumption that if you go to the right schools and marry the right people and hang out in the right cities, that you're going to always be buffered to tell us, the common people, tell us what is the right thing. That was their presumption. Seb, I was educated that way. I'm one of them. (laughs) I know. I was educated in the 20, 20th century to fight the Cold War. I was taught Russian. I, I, I went to the right universities and the right schools, and I went to the right city, and I went to the right publications. It's never coming back. It's exciting that it's not coming back. We know it. Why do we know it? Brexit. Yes. But tell. This was my next or question. For, so for, so for throwing so, Angela Merkel out for unknowns is a tell. Right. Or Xi Jinping in trouble. Because he gets up there and bans Winnie the Pooh and the Chinese people laugh at him. That's why the status quo of the big leader and his acolytes is never coming back. And that's an opportunity for us. Here's,
1: here's my, my question, my partisan, my selfish question. I saw this from inside when I was in the White House. There are so few people who understand that the China has been broken in the China shop. Who will represent, who will manufacture the policies for a world in which national sovereignty and representative Republican democracy is back? Because, you know, we use the catchphrase MAGA and it's great to win elections, but where are the the MAGA-crats, if you will? Are we just going to stumble through and find them, or or do you see a, a new constituency of people who understand the geopolitical changes and are ready to, to sail on those seas?
0: Excellent question. It has too many moving parts, so I'll, I'll be focused on this. Nationalism versus globalism. Yeah. Let's just talk about those yeah. two polls, right? Russia and China got there first. Right. Putin and Xi saw first. Go to nationalism. It's a uniter. Now, they, they are malignant, but they, they get it. Yeah. Britain gets it. That's nationalism, what Brexit is. They, they mock those who led Brexit, and the Remainers all sit around as if uh, any day now the 17th century is going to come back. Okay, <laughs> fine. Here, we got to nationalism thanks to the election of Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump is representative of those of us who do not want to be in a borderless world where we have to sacrifice or give up or give back the GDP our children need because we can't use our energy skills. Right. We don't want to do that, we're not going to do that. So, that's the short answer. We got to it late, but our version is better because we're capitalists, we're good at it, Seb, we make money <laughs> at it.
1: But, but, but John, when you say the Brits got it, only the 17 million people who voted to leave the EU, look at what's happened in the last two years with this abortion of a of a yeah. process. Yeah. The elite still doesn't get it in the UK, even when uh, people, uh, uh, for those who don't follow British politics, no, in no issue in a British history have 17 million people voted on one side of the issue. never happened before. And the elite still doesn't get it.
0: It's a joy to watch it happen. It's a joy. <laughs> Not if you're in Britain. All Oxford and Cambridge can do is squeal and point <laughs> and blame and, and complain. That's all they can do. They can't stop it. Yeah. I don't know whether they're going to go to a second referendum. I don't know whether May will be kicked out first. It's exciting. Oh, it's, it is. It is. But but my,
1: my fear is, look, uh, I, I love Phil Bobbitt. His his works are amazing. Uh, Terror and consent and his whole argument in, in his, his books on, on the evolution of the Westphalian system. But at the end of the day, states maintain the monopoly on the use of force on a scale that is required in the current world and also... They're the only people who get to tax other people. So the idea that the nation state is dead, this this Fukuyamian uh, idyll, was never going to be true. But when will the elites wake up to it, John? That's my question.
0: Well, I count on your show as a wingman to my show (laughs) to make it very clear that the status quo is not coming back. I can't I can't do
1: long form three in the afternoon, but I'll do my best with guests like you, John. Good. All right. So um, let's let's talk about the latest news. The president reached out an olive branch. He's invited Nancy and Chuck to the White House. And their response has been thanks, but no thanks. That's their idea of working together as Americans. What does that bode for the next two years? Uh, We we have a minute and a half.
0: Trump is running for re-election, and the Democrats don't have a candidate. All the news (laughs) that we're getting today comes down to that. That's it.
1: so are we just going to see a circus on 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 the left Are we going to see the predicted three dozen potential candidates?
0: Yes 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 they're they're disorganized because they don't have a candidate.
1: So does that mean that we're just going to see two years of obstruction and yes. then in 2020, the House and the Senate and the White House will be in the hands of the GOP?
0: Yeah well, I believe that the GOP is in a good position. A re-election is always favorable to the incumbent, right. always, that's right. just history speaking. I also believe that this particular group of Democrats cannot help themselves from voting for virtue as opposed to electability. Yeah. They will, they will <laughs> ignore the, the electable. They probably can elect uh, somebody like Joe Biden. The last time the Democrats had a challenge to a sitting president, a Republican sitting president, Let's go through it. 1992. 30, 30 seconds. Clinton. 30 seconds. Bill Clinton, not a leftist. One. 20 or oh, 2004. John Kerry, who knows what he was? Lost. And <laughs> now, and then, and we now have their opportunity to, to go left to defeat Clinton, uh, to defeat Trump. They're not going to do it. They do not choose electability.